Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hi, I'm Will Mallard and welcome to another episode of My Property World podcast. Today we're sponsored by Landlord Studio uh, and the panel lineup is phenomenal. We've got Christine Janaway, uh, Chartered Surveyor, highly experienced expert in uh, both residential leasehold and commercial uh, dealings and we're, we're going to uh, be tapping into her knowledge and, and experience um, at in relation to making tax digital, which is the topic of today's show. Uh, and we're also joined by Logan Ramsey, uh, one of the co-founders of Landlord Studio. And uh, he, he's got a, a, a list of social media comments about what's going on in, in the process for making tax digital. And Landlord Studio, of course, is a uh, a, a tool to make it easy for landlords to do the administration around, uh, I suppose, the business side of being a landlord. Um, now, we've got expert comment from Ron uh, Banerjee, who uh, is a one of the principals at Banner and Associates, a North London-based accountancy firm. Uh, not only has he got a, a large landlord client base as an accountant, He's a landlord himself, and I was actually in one of his properties uh, uh, facilitating a move-in while he was uh, off at the beach somewhere. Um, so you're very welcome, guys. So um, we might might kick off um, uh, the discussion firstly with, uh, with you, Logan. Um, you, could you share some feedback that you've got from social media posts about what's going on in the world of making tax digital? Yeah, for sure. So... This is quite interesting because uh, we started creating some educational resources around uh, making tax digital. And this was before uh, they pushed out the dates several times. And we, we ran a couple of campaigns on Landlord Zone, actually, and they um, uh, dished it out to their audience. And what we found is that there was a lot of comments and almost misinformation in uh, the industry around what making tax digital is and, and the, uh, the legislation and how it works and, and how to stay compliant, especially. So I guess uh, as a summary, uh, what we found is uh, a lot of these users uh, are finding information from various sources on the internet um, not necessarily directly from an accountant or a tax professional, um, particularly. And we had uh, all, all sorts of uh, feedback around uh, people wanting to use spreadsheets and people uh, not needing to go on digital software or not needing to change the way uh, that they, uh, they operate their current business and some uh, questions and feedback around the um, uh, revenue threshold or, or income threshold uh, that they needed to meet before they could um, or uh, come under this MTD uh, changes. So uh, there's various different uh, comments that we found, um, particularly from some of the um, social posts that we were creating. And I guess what I was quite keen to get uh, is a bit more understanding from you, Ron, and uh, the audience today, um, or the, the panel members, about uh, uh, debunking some of these myths and, and getting some actual you know, proper knowledge and, and proper advice uh, around these uh, around the specific topic. So Ron, um, uh, over to you. 
<laughs> yeah, so I think uh, our experience with res respect to making tax digital, I well, we call it NTDITSA, okay? <laughs> Just to confuse everybody, <laughs> which is uh, making tax digital for income tax self-assessment is what, what it stands for. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think the first point to make is that like with the first iteration of Making Tax Digital, which was um, centered upon VAT registered businesses above the VAT threshold, there seems to be a serious lack of any kind of communication coming out from government about it. So we as accountants um, obviously are aware of it because of all the bulletins and you know information we get um, from HMRC and from the government, from our regulators, etc. But, you know, and it seems like the government has basically unofficially, you know, given it our responsibility to educate people about it rather than educating people directly. So, uh, and that was the case at the beginning, and that's the case now, if you see what I mean. And that's the Making Tax Digital is a big program for the government with far reaching thing, uh, far reaching, you know, kind of points. And uh, I can bore you with the raison d'etre for it, etc. But I think the real crux of the matter is that it's it's coming. It's coming in 2024. Uh, it was going to be 2023, but it's now 2024, and that's April 2024. And it's a matter of getting your ducks in a row about it, really. We, there, we, in terms of social media posts, etc., what Logan was talking about, we haven't seen a hell of a lot of noise being made about it. Some of the software providers are making a rumble because obviously it's an opportunity for them to sell software um, to a new market, uh, being individuals as opposed to uh, limited companies. But um, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, regardless of, of the lack of communication, it's coming and it's a case of let's let's get ready for it. So I guess, you know, our experience is firstly has been trying to educate our clients about it. So we've done um, webinars, et cetera, um, two webinars on it so far. Um, and, you know, I've also been on a number of webinars for some software providers as well um, to try and educate people about it. So it does come as a bit of surprise to most landlords, whether you're a professional landlord, okay? So, and what I mean by that is, you know, not teaching anybody to suck eggs, but you're reliant on that income as opposed to a passive or, you know, kind of a landlord, which is where you've got a portfolio, but it's not the be all and end all for you. It is a, whether it, you know, the reasons for doing it might be for risk diversification, pension, <clears throat> or just because you like it as an asset class. Um, so I think regardless of where you are on the scale of, of professionalism, when it comes to property, nobody that we've done a webinar to, and we've done it to about, you know, quite a lot of people, uh, I'd say the first webinar had, you know, a couple of hundred on it, second one again, and then the ones I've done with um, uh, software, you know, again, you know, you're talking you know, hundreds of people on it. And then of course you've got the whole distribution that goes out thereafter. Um, nobody has, you know, said, oh yes, I, oh yes, I'm glad you're talking about this because, uh, you know, I was waiting for someone to tell me about it. Everybody's been like, oh, okay. <laughs> There's another thing for us to do is there. <laughs> so, and I think that's been our kind of like experience. And we've been trying to, I'm a, you know, glass half full kind of fella. So I approach anything, you know, in that way. And I think that what the only good thing about this and, you know, this is very much kind of, you know, personified in Landlord Studio is that it's an opportunity for people to get their ducks in a row, for them to understand their property business, even if they do have a great understanding of it, it's it's in a, a a format or in a place in a visual where they could possibly do something with it. So it's not just about compliance. But the way I'm thinking about it is that well, you know how much profit you're making, you know how much tax you've got, you know how much is left over for you to spend or reinvest. 
you know what your opportunities are for remortgaging and further expansion of your portfolio and these are the key things in the age that we're in the age of data you know the more data the better so you know like so many you know of the of the big boys and google and amazon whatever i've got lots of data this is an opportunity for us as you know landlords to get data about our property portfolio which even if we have it and we're a pro you know it's in a in a nicer format it looks better you know we're not bashing with uh, spreadsheets where uh, simplifying and making it more efficient bank streams etc things like that which you know landlord studio and other softwares have got all in place presenting it in a way that you know and i think that's a really key thing like for the vast majority of of landlords uh even those that have made that sort of step into being full-time professionals which ultimately is is what the government has explicitly come out and said their agenda is that they're, they're wanting uh, they're wanting the, the people who uh, are owning homes which are rented to operate in a, a compliant and professional manner, not just in tax, but in, um, in, in all sorts of uh, other things. Most people uh, are not, don't have a predisposition to uh, using technology uh, in an advanced way. And, and you can see it in all sort of streams of life where if you've got a simple interface, it might be uh, it might not do anything um, particularly different or or more valuable, but people will use it because that, that they you know that they can add a, a couple of clicks, they can see what's going on. There's a dashboard. There's a uh, there's a display that highlights or, or 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 you know puts a reminder up, and and those types of things. Um, I think uh, uh, it's certainly the way the world's going, but you've got a, uh, like this, there's two worlds uh, within property where uh, you've got a huge number of what are effectively, uh, I'd regard as amateur landlords. Uh, they're often termed accidental landlords or uh, people who uh, are operating and they've, they've put... Um, they've put a, a fair few of their eggs into that one basket. They've, they've got a property, they might have two or three properties uh, and they're renting those properties out and, and they're, in their own mind, that's their pension. And uh, most people, when they look at the business as opposed to the assets and the income coming off those, will look at the business as an outsider and say, this is not a real business. This is... This is a, um, a, a guy or, or, or a lady who uh, is operating um, as a complete amateur and they're not doing it op optimally, they're not doing it professionally and, and they're uh, and quite often, um, you know, potentially being, um, I suppose, dangerous both in terms of a tax compliance but also uh, the, within the physical asset. Now... Christine, your um, I'm going to get your your view on this because your uh, I, I think more than any of us, your uh, you've been a, a landlord down to you know there's a, a individual buy to let that you're a flat that you're you're leasing. You've been involved in uh, service accommodation businesses, but at the same time you've run uh, uh, real estate organisations that have had uh, several hundred branches across the UK. You've acted with large institutions. What, what's your view on, on all of this? Right, so my broader view, if you like, is that the government have been trying for quite a number of years now to force out what you term amateur landlords and making tax digital is another, I'd, it's another, I'd say a nail in the coffin, not quite that dramatic. Um, but, Will, you know, I, I have a letters and management agency that I own across the North Cotswolds, and I know my clients, um, a lot of them, firstly, they don't know about all this that's coming up, if they are what you'd call, you know, small portfolio landlords. <clears throat> and secondly, the ones that I've heard of it are just like rabbits in the headlights, quite honestly. Um, and I think 
they feel victimized they feel neglected they you know there's all sorts of emotions running through all this and um and especially a lot of the a lot of my clients who are older shall i if i dare say that that none of them are old but older um <laughs> they don't really understand all this and they think it's like big brother literally like big brother but um i try to persuade them that actually getting everything on a proper professional footing makes their life so much easier and so much more straightforward and it protects them in so many ways um from you know tax investigation whatever it is um that they're scared of that they can protect themselves by having some professionals looking after their interests and and doing everything in a compliant manner um yeah, I think it's going to take quite a lot of um, persuade, not persuasion, because they've got to do it, but it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of resistance, I think, from the smaller, um, the landlords with smaller portfolios. They just, some of them may go, do you know what, I just don't want to, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> it's a step too far. Um, <clears throat> but if we can guide them over that hump, I think on the other side, they'll find life's much easier more straightforward and less scary ron i don't know what you think about that You're yeah I, I would agree i think there are a lot of people that you know a lot of landlords that are you know hesitant ed look every single time there's something which we have to do whereby we're giving you know more of ourselves up i know that sounds a bit dramatic people are always going to take you know, umbrage to it and not like it, right? Because, you know, it's that case of like, well, why do I have to do this? And, you know, this is my 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 thing. Why should I have to share it with, with anybody, you know, with the government? And that's why I think it's, you know, important. And I, I do, you know, think that there will be some landlords um, who, you know, depending on their stage in life, you know, might well... Think That's about, a much nicer way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, uh, depending on their stage in life, might well think about you know things in a different way. Um, mm. It's got to be said, even accountants, when making tax digital came in, you know, originally, you know, before it's you know, you know, it's it's in its effectively. This is the third you know uh, stage of it. Um, many accountants were saying that they they can't be bothered because it's technology. And again, there are many accountants who are at various stages of their life and they didn't want to have that learning curve, didn't want to have those conversations and for lack of a better way, could not be bothered. And they they, they, they exited and, and whatever else. And that might well happen here as well. Um, I think that, you know, the, the point is, not the point is, I mean, the government's doing this and I definitely agree with you, Christine. I think the government's doing this because I think this government doesn't like the idea of anybody owning more than one house okay mm. or one home uh, or one building whatever you want to say okay they don't like that idea at all and they're trying to you know uh, dissuade people from, from from it so um amateurs really not so much or, or, or the people i i like your phrase the small portfolio landlords i think that's much better than amateur um so they're trying to dissuade small portfolio landlords um uh because you know i think you guys are far too polite like, like <laughs> yeah. days, uh, and, and this, this, this relates to like, like essentially uh is being a landlord a business or not is, is the question um, exactly. and in my view yeah. uh yes it is it's, yeah, it's a highly regulated uh activity it's it's probably after food production um, and maybe hospital uh, healthcare related <laughs> stuff. Uh, the single most important uh, safety. Uh, it's, it's interesting you, you say that, Will, because yes. the other thing that landlords, small portfolio landlords, cannot get their heads around is all the regulations. There are over 170 pieces of legislation that govern mm -hmm. just yeah, there's more and more coming out. <laughs> And, yeah. and they just cannot get their heads around it. Even simple things like what you can actually ask the tenant when you're qualifying betting them. 
um, is just a minefield, quite honestly. I was going um, to agree more with Christine. I think that there's a massive gap between what we or, or what some people think about owning property, being a business, which is absolutely 100% correct. It, there's a lot of regulation, there's a lot of things, and what the reality of someone's perception is, because someone's perception is that it's, you know, it, you know it's, it's bricks and mortar, it's a safe asset, it's, it's going to appreciate, it's almost relatively liquid as well, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in some ways. Um, obviously, you know, there's 101 different, you know, kind of permutations and, and things to that statement. But, you know, and they think about it like that. They don't think about it in terms of what, what you were saying, Will, in terms of it's a highly regulated, most, you know, important thing, because at the end of the day, you're providing a roof over someone's head, which, you know, is a big deal, right? And there's, you know, yeah. there's, there's, there's hundreds of things, you know, if you're just thinking about it from a building regs perspective alone, despite the whole landlord and everything else and, and, you know, all the other regulations that go with it. But the reality is, is that, you know, I think the small portfolio um, landlord, you know, sometimes doesn't understand that. I think it's, I think l- less of them so, you know, I think more do get it, but it's still making them understand that you've got a business. I mean, as you well know, I suppose you've all experienced is that some of them don't even have a separate bank account for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that that for us is, it has been the first stage in the education process is that have a separate bank account. Because if you're a limited company, you've got to have a limited company bank account. So if you're a landlord you, you, and it's a business, you have a separate bank account. So <laughs> I think that's, you know, step one, you know, and then step two is then, and I think, at the end of the day, step two would be to kind of make them understand that it's a business from a perspective of like, well, when you're presenting something to someone, you've got to think about it from a positive, you've got to make it make them realize how this is going to benefit their life, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, what what I always do is like, yeah, it's horrible, it's rubbish that the government's doing this, they want more information, big brother, you know, why, why, more money as well, because you've got to engage professionals, you might have to pay for some software, whatever might be the case, plus you're changing your behaviour, you're changing the way you're doing something, which is fundamentally one of the hardest things we as humans find to do, um, but if it's going to benefit you, if at the end of it, you know, at the end of the year, you're like, gosh, I've got lots, you know, I've got quite, I've got- I think one of the classic examples is if you think about uh, uh, people who operate in in the cash economy, so uh, instantly you you can think of a a tradesperson uh, dealing cash uh, and it's under the the radar of the tax authorities. And and from their perspective, they they think this is a great thing. And then you, you, you start thinking about, well, uh, when you you don't have declared income, uh, what's your ability to leverage that? What's your ability to then go and get a mortgage uh, to to get another property to get a and, and it's it's totally taken away. And and the um, the what what seems a significant chunk of your income um, going away in tax, uh, it, it pales into insignificance in, in terms of the implications about what your able to do and the value of that that cash flow or income uh, against your everything else that you can do within your life and, and it just in my mind that that kind of sums up um, and I, I see it all the time with uh, with what, what and I'm going to move from amateur to small time I'm not going to go as far as small uh, portfolio landlords um, I had a, a guy ring me um, a, a few weeks ago for some advice about how he could sell a house uh, that he, he had operating in order to purchase a larger uh, property that he was going to redevelop and, and, and create an uplift. And in a nutshell, what he'd done is he'd, he'd brought a, a property, operated it as a serviced accommodation uh, business, um, but he brought it on a residential mortgage, which is completely, you know, uh, I, 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 I think it's illegal. It's definitely against the terms of the, the mortgage contract. Yes. Um, yeah. And and he not only that he wanted um, he wanted to get a valuation 
based on the serviced accommodation uh, rental profits. So, so what, what, what the income was coming in. Now, uh, there was a further problem in that he, he hadn't done any accounts on the serviced accommodation business. Um, so it, it was, you know, okay, it wasn't even amateur out. It was, it was like a, um, a comedy, you know, but basically. Now, I, I, I referred him um, uh, to, a, uh, to a bookkeeper I know to make a start on this and suggested that uh, he needed to uh, port across to another mortgage product uh, pretty sharpishly. Uh, he, he certainly had an ability to, to do that and to take his time, get his, his uh, business in order uh, and get it presented in a way that it could be valued and, and he could take that uh, additional value that he created and, and then, then implement the plan. And that uh, property deal that he was wanting to put the money in, it, it's probably be gone by that stage, but there's always another one. Um, now, just at a very basic level, Logan, what, what do we actually mean by digital records? Uh, I, I, know, I know we're half an hour into the, uh, the chat and we, we haven't even said, yeah. what, what, what is this? Let's we're decide what on. it is we're actually talking about. What are we talking on a tangent. <laughs> well, actually, that would be a question I'd like to ask Ron, but from our perspective, um, digital records basically means rather than keeping everything in paper receipt form, it's actually keeping it in uh, digital form that can be traced and, and then ultimately transferred into some sort of software or bridging software that can help the landlord then file the tax return with the HMRC. Um, so that's from our perspective. Uh, from your perspective, Ron, um, do you, uh, does your opinion differ on this or what, what's your understanding of what a no, digital record actually is? I, I agree with you, Logan. It is a, you know, that is that would be the definition of digital records is keeping something, you know, in a format whereby what the actual um, def or definition or, or the kind of like, you know, uh, definition of making tax digital is that there should be a digital link between the numbers that are filed um, um, with HMRC. So a digital link, meaning that there is some kind of um, evidence behind each transaction. Now that evidence can be in the form of either a bank statement, which has the transaction on it, digitally presented. Uh, and by digitally presented, what I mean is that, you know, it's a it's an original bank statement. It's, you know, it's, you know, a direct download or a bank feed. Open banking has made things a lot easier. Or and with respect to expenses, you know, so or with, with the, on the sales side, it could be the bank statement, but it could be an invoice that's raised. And on the expense side, it is actually the receipt, you know, um, of the purchase. Remember, give you a, you know, as you, you know, get all know, just because you paid for something from your bank account doesn't mean that you own it. Okay. That's just proof of you having paid for it. The receipt is the proof that you have own that service so that's why the receipt is important because you could be paying any tom dick or harry from your bank account for anything but there's no proof of what you've got in return for those serve or for that payment and that proof is from the receipt so it's having things in a digital format so you can literally provide a digital link between the numbers you're presenting uh, to hmrc so yeah it's it, it is a Exactly what you said, Logan. Um, just adding some account and speak in the mix. Gotcha. And what about <laughs> properties held in partnerships? So um, we're all involved in um, partnerships of uh, different uh, types. Um, but regardless of what the, the classic example is, uh, two friends or or two siblings. Uh, and they're, they're involved in their own things, but they've also got a partnership and the partnership owns the property. I think that this comes back to, you know, what you were saying before about it being a business. If it's if the partnership is a business, then there'd be a partnership agreement, you know, um, and there'd be a separate kind of, you know, bank account, et cetera, to do, you know, for each partner. So I think the way that HMRC approaches these things is that, you know, you, you, you can, you know, cut it, the pie in whichever way you want, but at the end of the day, 
the pie is still the pie. So at the end of the day, you're still a business. You still need to keep records, whether it's in the guise of a partnership, an LLP, if you're doing it in your own name or a limited company. As you said, for them, they're trying to equalize the playing field for all of the various types of entity or, or, or means by which people can do business. So I think what it does with partnerships is that I think partnerships are even looser than small port, small portfolio landlords maybe so you know they're probably really like you know at, at that end of the scale um you probably can't see my hand there but anyway that end of the scale so um uh, you know and i just think that this is i think it's a much more difficult conversation you know for them you know to, to be had but in answer to your question well from the hmrc perspective playing devil's advocate they don't care you know, that you're a partnership and, oh, it might be a bit more difficult to do. And, and what are the penalties yeah. involved in uh, this sort of thing? The thing you've got to remember, oh, sorry, well, wouldn't know, but so just to let you all know, as you might know, HMRC has a policy, year one, there's never any penalties. There's never anything that's done in year one of introduction. So what am I talking about there? Just for, to put some dates and, you know, facts into here so it is in, being implemented from the 6th of april 2024 okay so from there until the end of that tax year on the 5th of april 2025 there will probably be no penalties no interest nothing no you know just a letter saying you've got it wrong get it right okay that's how it's usually done with hmrc i only caveat myself by saying that we, you know, they might change that only because they often give a long time. They're, they're really trying to get people enrolled now, okay, in various pilot programs for the next two years. Um, mm -hmm. If they successfully hit, they've probably got some KPIs and some metrics they've got to hit there. And if they doubly do that, they might rescind the no penalties in year one mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of policy that they usually have. So, but in all the other MTD um, introductions and for uh, RTI, which stands for real-time information that was implemented for PAYE, uh, payroll a long time uh, in 2016, there were no penalties in year one. So the... the, the, the uh, and in terms of um, like the pension side of things, a huge uh, portion of people uh, would think about their property as being their pension. Um, and some people have been smart enough to actually use their set up their pension fund and and either lend money or or buy directly or uh, get involved through uh, a, a tax efficient scheme where where they can get the money from their pension into property and then uh, take profits or or uh, find a way of funneling money back into their pension tax free. Um, all of that falls under HMRC's directions. So going digital, like in my mind, um, it's a no-brainer that will help you make uh, good decisions, but you're uh, getting good advice and getting good software around that is, is going to be crucial. Yeah, I think that getting good advice, understand what well, first things is, I guess the first stage is acceptance. So you know, I think the first thing is you've got to accept. You've got that, one like, of the five stages of grief. Exactly. That's what I was going to Stop the <laughs> hatred towards the government. Yeah. So you know, acceptance. You know, then it's a case of you know understanding. Then it's getting the advice to be able to put into place the systems and the software that you need. You know, to be compliant. Um, and also, also, I think concomitant with that would be the advice around how you can possibly use that data to help you. So whether for, for, for us, obviously, we've already talked about it. We've talked about one quite heavily, which is about the fact that, you know, uh, potentially remortgaging, potentially expanding the portfolio. The other thing is that, remember, I said knowledge is power. Knowing what your tax bill is going to be is a very powerful thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because... We're sitting here now on the 23rd of November, you know, 31st of January is the 
self-assessment deadline. Christmas is around the corner, which is going to be the first Christmas, you know, in two years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to, you're potentially going to have a huge tax bill, which you don't know about even today for some people. So, and you've got all this expenditure coming up, Christmas and everything else. Um, and you're, of course, you're skiing in January, right? Um, and, and, so, and so with all of that, you know, that is also a powerful kind of message that we are giving our clients is that, well, you're going to know what's coming up, okay? And um, you're going to know it. And, you know, you don't even, you know, you still need to ask me, but you don't even need to ask me, you know? So, you know, in one sense, um, what, what it's going to be. So I think that, you know, that's the other kind of key message to that. Now, look, by the way, I'm not working for the government. I don't work for HMRC <laughs> or anything like that. So you might be saying, oh, well, you know, Ron, you're, you know, you're really being very positive about it. Like I said, I think you have to be. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you get through those stages, okay, you know, you can't do it in a doom and gloom kind of way. If you're doing it in a doom and gloom kind of way, exit, you know, just just, just go. You, but for those people at that stage in their life, when they're small portfolio landlords, it might be a good opportunity to exit and realise your equity or, you know, realise your capital gain, obviously pay it within 30 days as well. But um, But, you know, it's better to do that so that you can then, decide to maybe go for another asset class you know one which isn't so labor intensive for you um but might carry more risk ron yeah interesting because what i thinking about some of the small client smaller portfolio clients in in our business um they haven't the re, uh, one of the reasons i think is that they're very nervous and sort of oh my goodness you know what's happening about all this is <clears throat> because they haven't actually done any proper tax planning so to me that's the first stage do all your tax planning speak to somebody who really knows what they're talking about in terms of pensions and whether you should hold your properties in a limited company or your own name and all that depending on your personal circumstances get all that sorted out because to me, the making, you know, I, I've got a back registered company, so it's sort of, well, that's how it's done, isn't it? That's how we all do it now. You just, you know, the software runs, hums away in the background, and then someone presses a button and it whizzes off to HMRC and all the rest of it. So um, if they did their proper tax planning first, then the making tax digital bit to me is just the way you tell HMRC what's going on. It's, it's yeah. but you, you know, you should have been telling them that in the old fashioned way, maybe with spreadsheets and, you know, manually entering it, but it's just a different way to tell them that's all. Yeah. yeah. But, but the, the, the outcome of that is that, as you say, you get all this extra really valuable information about your portfolio and your upcoming liabilities and, you know, the returns on your investment and all sorts of stuff that you would have to crunch numbers for hours. I'd, I'd compare yeah. it to jumping in a car <clears throat> and, and not knowing what the level of petrol is, not knowing what speed you're travelling at, not knowing what the when temperature <laughs> of the, the engine was, um, and, you know, and, and wondering what might go wrong. It's kind of working. <laughs> I think the the upshot of all of that is that you know you need to talk to an accountant you know mm. at the end of the day so you know, yeah. not, do, do you know not, any not, good ones Ron? Yeah. no they don't exist mate <laughs> <laughs> it's like doctors you know but yeah, yeah, no, this, is, this is actually um, like I think symptomatic of, of society again and again and, and a commonly held belief that technology reduces employment and and when you think about um, office buildings, uh, if you went back forty years ago, the rise of computers—it it was going to be, you know, that there was going to be no um, no office workers required anymore, or it was going to be ninety percent of them would be gone, and so the need for your office space would be gone. But what, what's actually happened is. All those office workers are now working for computer companies or computer sales companies or software companies. Or, uh, and, and you look in any city anywhere in the world, or, or certainly in the Western world, are there more office buildings than there were 40 years ago? Yes, probably twice as many. 
in terms of office space. Huge towers going up, filled with workers. And has technology gone ahead or, or, or backwards in that time? It's gone beyond comprehension in that time. And it will only continue to do so. And I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. It makes it easy. Now, um, I've got to make a little plug for Landlord Studio here. Um, so um, what, what about approved Thanks, software, uh, Logan? <laughs> um, so, yeah, just speaking to, I actually want to tell you a little story about one of our customers that came on to Landlord Studio, and it goes back to understanding the finances of, of, of business and, and why that's so important. Uh, we had a guy who uh, was basically managing everything on a spreadsheet. He had 15 properties. They're on 15 different spreadsheets. And it was about time he uh, transferred into a new um, uh, software because he was getting to that stage. And his accountant was basically pestering him to do it. And the accountant was uh, trying to drive him towards zero more so than anything. But Anyway, once he had loaded all his information into uh, Landlord Studio and ran one of our reports, he, he noticed that he was only making five pounds per month in profit. And the expenses on one of his uh, properties were significantly high that he, he was almost losing money on it, but he didn't realize at all. Um, and it just kind of just goes to that point of, uh, how important it is to know your numbers, especially when running a property business and um, and how important it is to use tools uh, in order to do that as well. So I guess what we've helped them do is to do that. Um, and I guess in terms of making tax digital, we uh, are, are building can, our- making... Can I ask a question? But, but, sure, uh, like it's, it's only a fiver uh, a month uh, to get started on Landlord Studio with a property. Uh, did you take that guy's uh, last fiver uh, of profit? He was break even <laughs> by the end of it. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't tell his name either. We'll, we'll bleep that one out. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so Landlord Studio is uh, essentially um, uh, in the process of making uh, a product that is making tax digital. Um, there are a number of them that are uh, listed and, and they do it in different ways. They do it through Zero or Sage or QuickBooks integrations, or they do it through direct HMRC integrations, or they uh, allow uh, the data to be exported out and then um, use the bris a bridging software to then allow the the, the accountant to then file the tax return so what we're doing is just looking at that all the different options and, and what is best for our users um, and we're looking at a, an integration into accounting software for uh, the q1 of next year but essentially what we do is uh, digitize everything and uh, import bank transactions to help users reconcile them uh, against properties therefore making uh, their property portfolio business just much more organized Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got a very quick story to finish off on. Um, so, uh, being in New Zealand, now your stories uh, are never quick. Your stories are never, never quick. Okay, well, this, quick this one's relatively let, quick. If you let, let me let, get let's, started, let's hope this one is. <laughs> so, Look, looking forward uh, to it. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the All Blacks, which is the New Zealand rugby team, was playing against Ireland, and I, I, I was in. Um, uh, North London, and uh, where I was at the time of the match, um, the only place I could uh, find that, that it was on the, the TV was this pub in, in Kilburn, which is a um, known as a uh, an Irish immigrant suburb, you know, going back uh, a number of years. <laughs> and, and so I end up in this... Um, what some people would regard as a reasonably uh, rough old man pup um, in simple terms. And so I'm watching the match and the All Blacks uh, are getting bet out the door and there's all these old Irish guys uh, sitting around me. And what, what I saw was several things. So they were... Uh, uh, they were all incredibly uh, racist. So there was an English referee and, and he, he was being called every name under the sun, uh, any, any call that didn't go Ireland's way. And 
they were uh, they were racist uh, towards the uh, the New Zealand players, uh, and then when they found out that I was a New Zealander, um, that they they were quite nice to me because Ireland was winning. Uh, <laughs> but I was in this incredibly unpleasant sort of uh, environment. But I, I was looking around, and it was a snapshot uh, of life where. There were these, these guys, and I, I, maybe I have this wrong, but they, they'd obviously come over from Ireland. They still had Irish accents. Most of them looked like they were uh, in their 50s or 60s, or, and a couple of them maybe their 70s, and they were broken. They were physically broken. And I, I thought that there were two things that went through my mind. One was, uh, as a society, um, We've got to look after people who who have built the roads, built the houses, laid the bricks, dug the holes, because if you don't if you don't have people to do that, uh, you don't have roads, you don't have houses, you don't have walls. Mm-hmm. None of those things happen without people physically doing it, and you've got to look after people at the other end of that. Now, they were as a group. You could pick who had had put a bit of money aside. Like it was very easy how they dressed, how they were uh, interacting with each other, and uh, and it summed up in my mind that, that the need to prepare as an individual for your life afterwards, and you know when when you're unable to uh, produce income, and in those guys' case, it, it was all around. The, it appeared the labour that they had had expended, the, the physical hard work. Now, as a, uh, as a society, we're going to look after people who, uh, who are, are getting a little bit older. And as an individual, if you want a higher quality of life, because it was really clear to me that was the highlight of a couple of these guys' weeks, that they were down and they were having two or three pints on a Saturday afternoon, watching Ireland beat the All Blacks, um, and and that um, that that was the extent of joy in their life. Uh, and I, I I could see how they would be going back to, you know, not the greatest living environments. Um, and as uh, as individuals, we all have choices. Um, and, and the, the choice that I took away uh, from that was was basically to reaffirm that uh, probably investment's a, a, an incredibly effective strategy, but you've got to approach it professionally. You've got to involve people who know the stuff you don't know. And I'm yet to meet someone who knows it all or even a fraction of it all. Uh, sorry, Ron, I, um, I, I know... Uh, <laughs> I, I know you're up there, but uh, <laughs> so just uh, once again, thank you so much. Uh, just a, a closing comment from each of you. Uh, Logan Ramsey, um, Landlord Studio, which, which uh, you can find at landlordstudio.co.uk. Um, closing remarks? Um, great to be here and very insightful, Ron. Uh, I think there was a lot of value there that actually um, people just not really... Uh, sure about and, and they don't understand properly so I think you shed some light on on some of these key issues here so appreciate that thank you very much yeah no thank you everybody it's been really really good to get everybody's um so before you finish Ron uh the website how can people get hold of the, oh the yeah firm? they can get hold of me uh, when, when they need a really good accountant <laughs> If you, if you and, need, and you'll be able to refer them on to one. The best yeah, yeah. in the industry. If you, need, if, you need, if you need a really good accountant, don't, don't, don't call this number. But if, you, <laughs> <laughs> no, if there's anything I can help anybody with, you can, the website's uh, www.banneracc.com. Um, and, you know, there's a way to contact me there. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Ron Banerjee. Um, and, you know, I'll give you my email is, is you, know, you know, as well, um, is ron at banneracc.com. So if you need any help, you know, with making tax digital, with anything really, you know, tax related, you know, we do lots of things. But I think at the end of the day, 
the, the key takeaway is always be positive, get, you know, get, get, you know, get your software in place and uh, talk to a professional who's able to uh, advise you about it all. And you know what, you know, it's not the end of the world just because something new is coming in. Expect and embrace change. So, Fantastic. Thanks, Ron. And, and Christine, as the, um, uh, as the ultimate property professional that I know. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'd, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, when you talk to landlords, um, especially small portfolio land, there is a lot of resistance. <clears throat> but uh, the education process, I think, is going to be quite you know, quite a hill to get over. But um, these sorts of things help enormously. Um, firstly, because it shows that um, not only accountants, but even um, people who own <coughs> managing agents are actually human beings and not um, baseless bureaucrats. Like Ron said, sort of, they fear we're standing here for the government to interrogate and take all their money off them. Um, but also just the compliance aspects and just making sure that you're doing what you're doing, you know, in a in a good way, which is actually to your advantage, not your disadvantage. So, yeah. Um, if anyone wants to get hold of me, the easiest way is Christine at cjresidential.co.uk, and um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and the usual places. All right. Well, thank you uh, once again. Another episode of My Property World. This one uh, sponsored by Landlord Studio. Uh, thanks again guys um, and, and we'll sign off now appreciate Thank everyone you. joining great to meet you speak soon welcome to My Property World a light and informative look at all things property we have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market however we do take examples from all around the property world our aim is for us to make money from property together, whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.